can't do this anymore, so I'm just going to say it. This is not legal advice. It's just not. And it's just our opinions. <laughs> yeah, as if that wasn't obvious. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, an appropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. Shut up. The Human Resources Director, Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. They already heard that part. I know, but uh, now I'm doing it. Yeah. This is Dennis. And this is Mark. And this is a very special episode of the Hostile Work Environment. It's our last episode. We're actually pulling the plug on this little endeavor. We are. God, why? Well, I think there's a few reasons. First, we, we hate each other now. Yeah, we're not uh, friends anymore. We, we started, we, we were buds, we hung out all the time, and now, like... We're forced to. I have a restraining order against Mark. Yeah. Um, he has to stay at least... How far know, are we right now? Six feet, feet away. Four feet. Um, so that's becoming an issue. That It is. Um my my eyes have been blinded a little bit by the gleam of the light off of the top of Dennis's head. Yeah, the lighting in Studio A is is not really conducive. Um, to, so uh, to you know, that. I I'm, I may have a disability. And as an accommodation, we're just going to not do this anymore. <laughs> um, seriously, we want to first of all thank all of our listeners. Yes. Um, everybody who's given us feedback, given us reviews on iTunes, done all that jazz. Thank you very much. We really appreciate this. We do. Um, the reality of it is, is that both Mark and I have full-time jobs. Our circumstances have changed since we started this. We started this. Each of us had a different job. We've both changed careers pretty dramatically since then. And we find ourselves struggling to find the time that it really takes to create a decent podcast episode on a weekly basis. Agreed. And, you know, it's just the timing, the right. And, and we've also noticed over time that our engagement has dropped. Right. And we have a few folks out there, many of you who are listening right now, who, Super who have been highly engaged, engaged, who've been wonderful, but also like we'll put out episodes and we get crickets back which isn't uh necessarily itself a reason for stopping but no but we like feeling that we're having a lot of engagement with our audience and we just haven't been getting a ton of it lately and part of that's also because we're not putting the time in to engage with you right as much on social media very as true we were before yeah uh you know it also occurred to me that other than than one particularly large hike a month ago where we climbed Mount St. Helens. We haven't hiked in like ages. Because all the time that we had reserved to do that, we've been doing the podcast yeah. instead. And so, you know, we did talk quite a bit about, do we just want to scale back to a less frequent schedule? Right. And what we decided was no, yeah. we thought that the quality wouldn't be the same. And that if we did that, we're both of the personality type. If we don't build it into our schedule and have it be a regular usual thing, we just, we just won't, won't do it. it. And then or we'll just, do it half-assed. Then we're just leaving you yeah. hanging out there. Uh, and so in the end, it's... It felt like, let's give it death with dignity. Yeah, and and it's been well, good. Well, except I know what our, I know what our content is going to be today, and there's absolutely no dignity involved. Fair enough, but that, that also fits 
right right like i mean whatever dignity we've ever had with this podcast right, right? Yeah. but but uh, you know let's let's go out before we start to resent it and yeah. and feel like it's a burden on us or where the quality becomes poor and we're no longer proud of the product that we create exactly so on that note Mark's going to tell us a story that is clearly intended for the type of mature audience that our podcast is really directed at, which means if you have little kids in the car, probably we not do a one great more time, of these, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been our. So we're going out with a bang. Sort of. So Mark's got a JJ story for us. Yeah. Um, I've been holding on to this one for the last month or so. We haven't recorded for, for three or four weeks either. So. Um, you know, this one's been sitting in my, in my inbox for a while. I forget who sent it to me. I think my wife sent this to me. Um, and this was in Jezebel uh, about a month ago, late October, a couple days before Halloween. And here's, here's the headline. Doctor won't face jail time for dying patient's vagina purple as a joke. <laughs> um, you know, it, what a crazy Hey headline. folks, we warned you. Yeah, we warned you. And Again, like that's not funny. I mean, it's funny, but it's not funny at all. And well, but, you, you well, know. let's read and find out. I want to know more. It might be hilarious. I mean, yeah. So Barry King is a gynecologist. Barry King. I am sure Barry King is the kind of guy that has like he's like a white guy with a seventies afro. You think? I think so. Barry King. So just picture, just picture him in your mind. Well, there's just there's just a picture of an exam room table. I'm thinking like Greg Brady, but fast forward 20 years. Anyway, okay. sorry. No, well, because Barry King, I'm thinking of Larry King too. Oh, Larry King, yeah. A mix of Greg Brady and Larry King. Larry King. <laughs> and ain't pretty folks. Right. Isn't 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 the actor who played um Greg Brady, isn't his name Barry? Is it? Maybe that's why I thought of I'm um, pretty sure it is, right? Maybe that's, I can't uh, remember his last name, but I'm pretty sure I, I don't know. All right. Anyway. Barry so, King. So uh, he was charged with misdemeanor count of harassment after dyeing a patient's vagina purple. Um, and here's this is this is again. I mean, not that the headline didn't catch my. And he's attention. a gynecologist. He right? is a gynecologist. Because if and, if like you know your podiatrist dyed your vagina purple, that would be a bigger surprise. It, right. And there is an employment hook here, which is that okay. the patient was also his employee. That's awkward. Right now, there's a story about how they got there. Okay, in the article, I'll but, shut up and I'll but, listen. But after you know the you know the the opening paragraph here says you know he has he has a misdemeanor count of harassment. The conviction will be dropped if he goes two years without doing it again. It's going to be hard. I mean, anyway, so <laughs> this happened in 2017. As a condition of parole, he's not allowed to have purple dye. He can have I would green. Just say no dye. He can have green. He can have blue, but no purple. And he can't. Well, actually, if he had blue, he cannot also have red because then he could mix them and make purple. Enough. Go on. <laughs> I, I, you know, there is some sadness here that I, I am only going to be able to roll my eyes in this yeah. capacity once more today. Um. Anyway. Uh. So the woman who's the victim here worked for him. At the time, and she's a breast cancer survivor. Uh, she'd had a double mastectomy and had just found a vaginal lesion. Um, she was worried that her cancer was back. 
and she was in between doctors. So she asked King, who was her boss, or who ran the clinic, yeah. if he would give her an exam. He said yes. At the end of the exam, he told her to ask her husband to look at her vagina when she got home. Which, an odd request. An odd request. And I wonder why, like, again, all we've got is what's in the article here. But I wonder why she's not like, why? Why? <laughs> like, what did you do? Because it says that later day, later that day, she noticed purple dye on her toilet paper after going to the bathroom. Uh, I'm dying to ask a particular question. You're dying to ask? I'm dying to ask. I'm, I'm just going to ask this. Could she not see herself? Well, right. Well, I imagine she could. Like, I'm not, Was I'm she not a- sure that that factual pattern there from this reporting does not, it does not connect all the dots for me. Yeah, I all the only thing that makes this make sense to me is if she's a very large woman. I'm thinking you can look down and see your own junk most of the time. Well, there's also things called mirrors. Yeah, I mean, if I saw something fishy on the toilet paper, I might be inclined to pull out a mirror and see what's going on. Right? Yeah. Um. So, the next day she goes to work and... Describes King as acting really giddy <laughs> and odd. He's going giggity, giggity, giggity. He later admitted that he dyed her vagina. He said it was a joke. The victim told Mesa County Judge Michael Grattan, it was a joke for my husband. There's so many horrifying details here. I'm just reading the article, including the fact that the woman found out King told her co-workers about it. And that police charged him with harassment instead of sexual assault because prosecutors told her they didn't think they could prove sexual intent. And maybe not. It's interesting, though, right? Yeah, I mean, and, it and is again, interesting. I, mean, and I, I assume that's criminal harassment. Not, right, not, se- not Title not, Seven. So we're not in employment law world here. Um, would that fall if we were in employment under Title Seven? Do you think that would fall under harassment? Or discrimination in some way? Does it violate? An, well, does he does, it, does he die the vaginas of male patients, <laughs> male employees? Well, he has none, so no. Right. Um, is it? A, but I mean, but is this, but is like, it, is is this it, related to a term and condition of employment? And is it because of sex? Is it because of sex? Except now that when you have to go to work and see the guy who dyed your junk purple every day, I. I I think that might be uncomfortable. I think that could create a hostile work environment. Maybe is it severe? We, yeah, is it because of se- but is it severe enough I, that I mean, a single incident now becomes an actionable hostile work yeah. environment? And so now I think the fact that we're struggling just to have this conversation around the Title Seven side of it is why we're in criminal land here. Yeah. Okay. But that's weird, though, right? That this doesn't trigger something that we're thinking about in employment land. A little weird. I mean, I wouldn't be completely embarrassed to file a harassment complaint against the guy. No, no, no. I, I and and but you know, from a from an actual like going through the elements of claims kind of theory here, it's not obvious. No. I, as a gynecologist and as an employer would you want to perform exams on your employee knowing that 
if anything gets weird, it's going to end up in employment land and be... No, and I think that... See, I'd refer my employee on. I I would draw a line there and not see my employee right now. Understanding maybe she was between insurance or some other issues. We don't don't know know what the other circumstances are. But but, I will tell you that if I were in that position and, and I didn't draw the line in the same place as King clearly did not. Yeah. You don't mess around. No. I mean, you don't mess around anyway. No. But... Right, especially if he knows her history, and I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, no, poor judgment all around. I just gobsmacked. Anyway, so um, in the victim's words, uh, that's why we're here with the class three demeanor. Uh, the victim misdemeanor. The judge, misdemeanor. Did I say demeanor? You a said demeanor. demeanor. It's a class three demeanor. I mean, it's, class three demeanor. you know, what was his demeanor like? Well, you it know, was class he was, three. He was he was kind of up. He was happy. I, I'd give it a three. Okay. <laughs> misdemeanor. Uh, let me let me step back. That's why we're here with the class three misdemeanor. The victim told the judge because I cannot attest to the status of his penis. What does this? So if the he difference was between harassment and a sexual assault is, is whether you do it with a boner, basically is what she's saying, and that might be what the law is in Arizona in wow. terms of the difference between right. What's the intent? Is it sexual in nature? That's a pretty weird. That's a pretty weird law. It is. Um, Can you I imagine like cross examining the alleged victim? If that is, in fact, the state of the law. So now, Ms. Jones, did you get a um, visual inspection of my client's groin area? Just making, I, I think it's not about whether it, it was that clearly sexual in terms of him showing it physically, but was there a sexual intent behind right. it? Right. Was he doing it it's in clearly order an to assault. derive? I think it's clearly an assault. Is it a sexual assault or, right. or is it harassment? However, that's defined criminally. And usually harassment is defined as some lower form of assault. So, so, all right. Um, The incident is infuriating, not just because of how needlessly cruel it was, but because of the level of composure King's former employee brought to the situation, knowing that her chances for justice were slim. On Friday, she said in court, I didn't want to ruin his life. I was just going to get another job and leave like most victims do. He pleaded guilty to the harassment charge and will have his conviction dropped in two years if he can manage not to do it again. Okay, it actually says if Come you can on, Barry, not to harass we'll anyone, for you. It actually says if you can manage not to harass anyone else. Oh, that's a that much period. higher bar. Okay. Um, he also uh, has to apologize and do 100 hours of public service. Anyway. Um, 100 hours of pubic service? Uh, hmm, Dennis. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Yeah, you're just you're you're just going unfiltered for the last episode. Here. Totally unfiltered. You know, the, the difference between public and pubic is just one little L. Yeah. So... When I was growing up, so okay, in because we, we we're, we're all in. Story Did you go time to pubic here. school when you were growing up? No, but um, in Florida, I Did had, you go to, to, the this, pubic no, I had to bring this back to Florida. Oh god, okay, yeah. because because it was sad to me that this last article we were reading is out of Arizona, not out of Florida. And not Florida. Yeah, there is a grocery store chain in Florida called Publix. P U B L I X. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I maybe eight, nine, ten, and we were visiting my grandparents in Florida, and we passed this Publix, and I looked at it, I was like, 
why is there a grocery store here named Pubics? Because <laughs> I just misread it. Was the light and in the L burned out? I don't know. You just misread I, it. I just misread it. And, then, and of course, like my parents were like <laughs> laughing and I didn't even know what it meant. And But then after that, whenever we saw Publix, it was always Pubics. Pubics. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So uh, that's our story for the week. It was a good one. Good one to end on. And we are coming back after a short break. And many of our listeners have submitted our, they've followed our request and submitted a listener submitted story. And so we're going to read the best of the remaining stories. Yeah, we basically picked three or four. That yeah. doesn't mean if yours wasn't picked that it wasn't good. But we no, just want to, just... we didn't want to, we didn't want to read through every, you know, for the next hour and read through stories. We just, right. we just thought it would be good to pick the best few. Yeah. Um, and uh, share those. So uh, we'll be back and do that. Yeah. And have some other, you know, sort of celebratory things. Dennis will take off his clothes and dance or something. Yeah, because in podcast form. That's totally cool. Yeah. Be right back. We are back and it's story time. All right. Mark? Mark? We've got about, what are we going to do, like four of them? I think we got four stories, two each. All right. So I got to start us with a short one. Um, That's what she said. This is from Kiki on Kilimanjaro. It's a good handle. Yes. I worked for a large hospital doing continuing education programs. Although I was in a large department, the continuing education section was just my boss, who was a doctor, myself, who was the conference coordinator, and an administrative assistant. When my assistant resigned, she gave us a lot of notice so that we could hire a replacement. HR sent over several resumes for internal candidates. We interviewed one that I really liked and had great reviews. My boss did not want to hire her because, quote, she's a mother and parents are unreliable. A a truism. Yes. I say that as a parent. Yes. I told him that was illegal. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you can't discriminate on the basis of family status. He did not care. Of course not. He's told, a doctor. Why would he care? I told HR that's why it was passing on the candidate, and I do not think that they did anything at all. He ended up going with a candidate straight out of college without any other obligations. What my boss did not know at the time was that I was pregnant with my first child. He Ooh. was shocked, shocked that I resigned rather than going on maternity leave. Proof that parents are my unre- baby. Proof that parents are unreliable. Proof. Just proof. They the just point. up and quit. For no good reason. <laughs> That's it. All right. Thank Thanks, you, Kiki. It was a good story. Bad we doctor. Should, we should climb Kilimanjaro. Sometime. We should totally climb. We, we, go to could, we could totally do it. It doesn't. I, could, I don't. I hear it's not that hard. No, it's just long and tedious. Yeah, which and is it takes a while to get there. Basically, my experience hanging out with you. Yeah, long and tedious. So it would just be. Just <laughs> I think. I think. I think we also named the episode <laughs> long and tedious. Fair enough. All right. Next up, hi guys. I'm sitting here in the Bureau of Labor and Industries conference, listening to the speaker from Bullard Law. Wow. Yes. Lame. Yes, that's a so plug for lame. Dennis's firm. Woohoo! Go Bullard Law. They're talking about independent contractors, and that made me think of a story. So what do I do? I pull out my laptop and send you an email. Thank you very much. It happened many years ago at a previous not-to-be-named employer who chose not to listen to their truly wonderful HR manager. 
I assume that's the author. An employee with a very special skill set answered an on-call call and came to work intoxicated. Oh, good. Yeah, good call. On-call call. Call. This was a manufacturing company, and they had a zero-tolerance drug and alcohol policy, but this employee had a very specific skill set that would be difficult to find in another person. His education, experience, and knowledge made him almost irreplaceable. Uh-oh. So what do you do? Well, they had a brilliant idea. After not discussing the situation with their really awesome HR manager, they chose to fire the employee. Sure. So far, so good. Yeah. And make him an independent contractor. Oh. Yeah. That way, if he comes Genius. to work drunk, it's his problem, not ours. They rented him an office across the street, and they gave him specific rules of when he could and could not enter the building. They paid him more than he was making as an employee, and they had him finish the project he was already working on. I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like he was an employee. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know, but yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Their really terrific HR manager told him that this was a bad idea and that he was not an independent contractor, but they chose to ignore her. At the end of the year, there was an audit by the Department of Labor for another reason, and this contractor was discovered. Yeah, something about the Department of Labor. They will come in looking for one thing and, and leave find finding else. you for something else. Ten something else's. Guess who was determined to be an employee? Shock. Let's not talk about the fines and back pay and such that had to be paid for that mistake. All because they didn't want to fire an employee who violated a serious policy and they didn't listen to their fabulous HR manager. Love your show. Signed, wonderful, awesome, terrific, fabulous HR manager from Portland. Very nice. So, Mark, I learned a lesson in that. What's your what lesson? Once you become irreplaceable, you can show up to work drunk. Oh. What did you think I learned? I, I, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had no I mean, I, I know you didn't learn anything about the law. Well, no. I know you already know that. Well, theoretically. Um, our next story is an epic tale. And by epic, I mean long and tedious. <laughs> Well, I, it's not tedious, but it is long. Okay. So, but it's fascinating. Uh, hi, Mark and Dennis. Submitted anonymously from Wyoming. Of course. All right. The employee began his employment with us as a level two customer service representative at a client's site in January. The employee's responsibilities included assisting the client's customers with the completion of the applications for any applicable assistance programs. In that April, we lost the site as a client. All impacted employees were given the option of a severance package, or if there was an open position within the company for which they were qualified, all they had to do was submit an application for the position, and they would be placed in the new position. Sounds easy. And subsequently waive the severance. This employee found a level one customer service position where his new responsibilities included working with customers via phone to resolve customer service issues. The difference in pay from level two to level one was about 20%, but we maintained the employee's level two rate and expressed hope to the employee that their performance in the level one position was worth the investment and he'd have every, every opportunity to accelerate back to the level two position where his experience could be better leveraged. So what we have here is a model example of an organization's commitment to understanding and supporting their employees through unexpected events and navigating their responsibilities for all parties. Sounds good to me. Ha! Huh? You must be new here. Oh, one of those. 
So in June, two months into the employee's new position, the employee received a parking ticket from the town parking vendor for parking on the wrong floor of the parking deck. Our company sponsors parking in the town's parking deck for employees that choose to drive to work. We also sponsor bus passes to employees who elect to use public transportation. Pubic transportation. Pubic transportation. We only have access to the spots on the top floor of the parking deck as other parking spots in the deck are reserved for other customers of the town parking vendor. It's interesting, our our author here, all capped town parking vendor. I noticed that. Is, is that, that to indicate it, that they didn't want to say like city center parking or whoever the town right. parking or, vendor is? Or is it like they're actually called town parking vendor? In all caps. In all caps. Which means you need to scream it every time you read it. Out I haven't loud. heard of too many companies called vent like you describe them as a vendor. <laughs> no. But there is a there's actually there's a pizza place up in Skephoos. Pizza vendor? Called the Pizza Vendor. Yeah. It's a good one. Been there. Um yeah. Anyway. Uh The employee submitted an ADA request that he be able to park on the first floor of the parking deck because the elevator from our assigned parking uh, area frequently did not work and taking the stairs activated the employee's asthma. We went through the ADA process and the employee's request was denied because we do not have domain over parking spots from the town parking town parking vendor. Oh, that's a good way to say it. (laughs) To be able to issue a first floor parking spot. Sponsored parking is merely an optional benefit some employees use, and we do not require the employee to use this or any benefit. He is reminded at that time of the bus pass option. We also committed to the employee we would research the elevator issue as part of the interactive process. I think they're doing right. I think they're doing it all right. Yeah. I mean, they have no control over the rest of the area. No, it's, so they it's, can't, we don't own that part of the parking lot. So we can't make that happen. I mean, I, I guess you could explore buying him a parking spot, but... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Is that reasonable? Uh, uh, it depends on the size of the company and all yeah, those other factors. But yeah. And if it's even possible. Who knows if it's even possible. And if it's not your parking lot, I mean, I look at, I look at that as part of your commute. Right. You know, if it's yeah. your parking lot, your building, that's a different issue. But right. if it's if it's a town parking vendor parking lot, I'm not, I'm not sure you have much control over that. Agreed. Uh, later that month, we received notification from the town parking, parking vendor. vendor. That during the time of the ticket, there were three additional elevators operational operational and available for use. It's a little weird that nobody else seemed to know that. Yeah. Four mm-hmm. elevators total. Odds are one of them works. And, right. Well, and that somebody else who works there should know that. Did he have to like walk all the way across the top deck of the parking lot, thus triggering his asthma to get into one of the yeah, operational elevators? Things don't we don't know. know. Uh, and we can't even say stay tuned. No. Uh, We relayed that information to the employee who stated he was unaware of the additional elevators and would stay in touch if he continued to have problems with his asthma or the additional elevators. In July, we received an ADA request from the employee that he be allowed to work a reduced schedule because of a different health condition, not asthma. Not asthma? What's wrong with this guy? I don't know. The standard schedule was 40 hours per week, five days per week, spread across Sunday through Friday. Hmm. Okay. We met with the employee and agreed to a reduced regular work schedule of 32 hours a week, working Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Fridays for eight hours each day. This agreement kept the employee at full-time status, over 30 hours per week scheduled, and provided a static weekday off for health appointments. The employee was also offered the option to work on Sundays or Wednesdays, so long as he coordinated it with his team lead 48 hours in advance, and as part of our continued effort to keep him financially whole. 
The employee and the company agreed to meet again in 30 days to see how this accommodation worked for the employee as well as the company. The employee was indeed able to work on a few on a few of the Sundays and Wednesdays during this time and repeatedly thanks us for the Sunday-Wednesday flexibility, and they all lived happily ever after. Oh, good. Case closed. End of story. Just kidding. Oh. <laughs> now the fun begins. We told begins. you it's a long one. Now the fun begins. At the beginning of October... The employee displayed unsatisfactory work conduct in communicating with his team lead in a negative and disrespectful manner that was disruptive to his work environment. I.e. he told him to go sod himself. Yes. This negative and disrespectful tone was in response to his team lead's effort to coordinate breaks as is a function of their position and contributed to his fellow team members feeling uncomfortable and threatened in their work environment. The employee had previously received verbal warnings in August and September regarding similar displays of inappropriate conduct with his team lead. Kind of want to know exactly what the guy did. Yeah. Did he did he make the jack off motion behind his boss as his Flip boss off, was talking? Right. You know, pants him. Did he pants, pants him? Did he pants his supervisor? Or did he moon him? Oh, could have mooned him. Give him the double bird. Double bird. Stood behind him making thrusting motions with his pelvis. All possible. I imagine, because but, but we don't have those details, if, I imagine all of those things took place. Y- yes, but not in such an active way that they would have triggered his asthma. No, true. He did, he did each one of those things in a very calm and somewhat slow fashion. Yes. Uh, after the investigation of this incident, it was determined a first written warning was appropriate and was issued. A week later, the employee dropped off paperwork from his healthcare provider stating he needed medical leave from work effective immediately for 10 weeks. The employee did not formally request FMLA, but was issued. Oh, so FEMLA. I'm, yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. Did what's, not formally what's FMLA? request FEMLA. All of you out there, I'm going to say FEMLA. FEMLA. But was issued the FEMLA employer response indicating he was not eligible for FEMLA leave. We did provide the employee with short-term disability paperwork, as well as our ADA accommodation request form for his health care provider to execute. We received the paperwork back from the employee in three weeks' time and let him know that same day that we would approve his 10-week leave of absence as an ADA accommodation. We informed the employee at that time that because he was working on a team with a sensitive client that required full support, that we could not guarantee his exact position on the same team but there would be a customer service position available for him when he returned to work. When the 10 weeks ended, the employee submitted paperwork requesting to return to work on a part-time basis for an unspecified time frame. We approved part of his request as an accommodation, but had to let him know that without a specified time frame, we would not be able to guarantee full-time work when or if he was interested in returning to a full-time position. The employee's physician was not, nor would not, provide a time frame for the employee, so the employee accepted the part-time schedule and affirmed understanding. One month after returning to work in the part-time position, the employee emailed his notice of resignation to his HR team and operational leaders that he was resigning effective immediately. In the email, he explicitly thanked us for the accommodations provided and apologized for not being able to give a two-week notice. Huh. All sounds fine. Needless to say... We were not surprised to receive a letter from the EEOC with charges of discrimination based on his disability, that we didn't give him a better parking location, retaliation, the write-up was not actually for conduct, and that we created a hostile work environment that amounted to constructive discharge for not guaranteeing full-time return to work. 
I'm happy to report that we were able to successfully respond and defend ourselves from the charges. Yay! And it was, and it was particularly rewarding, cheeky, cheeky, to be able to submit in our response the employee's resignation letter as evidence that we continuously engaged in, uh, and uh, I think it's supposed to say engaged in the interactive process, and provided accommodations during the time of employment. While it was certainly not hard to take it personally the way the employee acted, it serves to reinforce the importance of responding in good faith and execute the interactive process based on the merits of each incident. Thanks so much for the podcast. I've enjoyed your journey over the last year while I listened to on while I listened to on my way home from work. It serves as my weekly reminder of how lucky I am not to have other people's problems. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. That was, that was awesome. Story. That's a good one. It was long. But it was good. My leg fell asleep in the middle of that. Yeah, we're we're sitting in uncomfortable positions for. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis doesn't have chairs or tables in his house. We're just sitting on the floor. Yeah. Don't have to do that again. Yeah, true. Well, it's you know, we're inspired by the Middle East here, so we you know we sit on rugs, we have pillows. Yes, it looks very Middle Eastern in your basement. It does. I have uh, not quite as long, but also a long story. Hi, Mark and Dennis. I love your podcast. I've been meaning to send in this story for a while, and your pleas for more stories have convinced me to do it. Please keep me anonymous, though. Writes Jennifer Smith. No, I'm kidding. Um, This story happened several years ago. I was in law school at night while working as the HR generalist for a small tech company that had just been acquired by a larger company. The larger company was keeping our small company as a separate subsidiary, so on a day-to-day level, nothing really changed for me. My boss was the VP of HR, and the only change for her was that now she had to report to the HR people at the parent company for big things. My boss was going on a two-week-long overseas vacation, but a couple of days before her vacation, she told me she had to travel to our international office. Ooh which is in a different country than the one that she was going to for vacation. I thought nothing of it at the time because she'd been mentioning for a month or so she was planning on making a trip out there. I figured it was some corporate office cares about you trip. Okay. Fast forward to two or three days later. I arrived at the office around seven in the morning, as was my usual practice. The CFO walked over to my desk and said with a look of total relief on his face, Oh, good, you're here. No, that's never a good way to start a day in HR. True, though it's better than, oh, oh crap, crap you're, here. you're here. Go home, you're fired. <laughs> Which is a really bad way to that's start a day. That's even worse way to start a day. So I guess it's all relative. Yeah. It's good to be wanted. I headed into his office and got briefed on the situation. The reason for my boss's sudden overseas trip was because she had to go over there to fire an employee who had been caught embezzling. Oh, good. We had a very competent HR in our HR manager in our overseas office who could have handled it just fine himself, but this was a big situation that the parent company interfered with. A senior vice president in our main office in the U.S. had been on leave pending investigation for sexual harassment. Sounds like a stellar company. Yeah, this is awesome. Shortly before all this went down, he resigned in lieu of being fired. I'd been aware that he had been on leave and that he had resigned, but nobody told me the reason why. I guess because he was so senior, my boss wanted to keep me out of it. 
The reason for the sexual harassment investigation was because he was having an affair <laughs> with the embezzling Sorry. employee overseas. I'm reading ahead. Sorry. Don't my, read ahead. My, my uh, I told you this jumps a gun. Though he wasn't involved in the embezzlement. So the harasser is having sex with the embezzler. What a duo. Yeah. They broke up. She accused him of harassment. Her embezzlement came to light and they were both suspended. My boss wanted to just fire the embezzling employee and be done with it, but the parent company decided that they needed to ask her to resign because otherwise it would look like discriminat- it would look discriminatory to treat her more harshly than the senior VP, who apparently was allowed to resign. Yeah. The overseas country that this employee worked in is in a very patriarchal society with a corrupt government. Oh, so it was the American subsidiary. Right. <laughs> My boss made arrangements to meet the employee in the lobby of a hotel in the city to sign the resignation letter. A generous severance package was offered. The employee showed up with her father. Awkward. The paperwork was signed and everyone went on their merry way. My boss went to the office and handed the paperwork to the HR manager there. He looked it over and said the signature didn't belong to the employee. My, My boss was confused because she watched her sign it. Apparently, she had signed it in such a way that it wasn't her normal signature. My boss had a plane to catch, so she said she would look into it when she got to her destination. Because of the time difference, the U.S. offices, both our headquarters and the headquarters of the parent company, were closed, so she figured she would just sort it out in the morning. This ended up being a fortuitous decision. She got on a plane and made it safely to her vacation destination in a different country. It turned out... About an hour after her flight left, the now former employee went to the authorities and accused my boss of forging her signature on the letter of the resignation and also accusing the HR manager and another employee at our overseas office of coming to her house and threatening to kill her. What? We had video footage of these employees at the office at the time the alleged threat took place, so we know they didn't do anything of the sort. Wow. That's amazing. I tell you, video footage is a lifesaver. Yeah. My boss didn't find out anything about this until she landed. The government of the country where this took place has a guilty until proven innocent way of looking at things. So it was Italy. So if she hadn't already had the pre-planned vacation in another country, she could have ended up as a guest of the government for who knows how long. Interpol even put out an alert on her, but she was on vacation before it caught up. Interpol. Holy crap. Interpol. Not the rock band. I got into the office a few hours after she landed, and the CFO needed me to gather all kinds of information to give it to the lawyers to sort this out. And I had to call up my boss to get some of it. I've had a lot of HR, <laughs> I've had a lot of awkward HR conversations in my time, but this was the hardest. By the time her vacation was over, the Interpol alert had been cleared up. I mean, that's good, but doesn't sound maybe probably like the most relaxing vacation ever. Maybe not. It's when you're on vacation and you know you can't really cross borders because Interpol will find you. Right. You can't really just let it go. Right. You know? Yeah. She returned to the U.S. and started the process of sorting things out with the country where this all took place. This involved multiple trips to that country's consulate over the next several weeks, which was about an hour and a half drive from our office. 
I had to go with her to sort it all out because we needed someone from HR there. The video footage cleared the two overseas employees. She managed to get out of it with a 10-year ban from entering that country. Something I think wow. that might be okay. Which she countered she counted as a victory because she didn't want to go back anyway. Okay. All for trumped-up charges by an embezzler. I never found out what happened to the former employee who hatched this whole scheme. She's the first and only person I've ever unfriended on LinkedIn. <laughs> and then they sign it, keep up the good work, which we're not, because that's like the last story we're ever going to read. It was a good one to end with. It was a good one to end with. Harassment, embezzlement, Interpol, Interna- Interpol. international intrigue. Have you ever had like real big international clients that had you doing like international work or anything? No. Me neither. I kind of wish I had. I mean, I love... I mean, maybe not that story, but like. Yeah, go to Durka Durkistan and fire somebody. That'd be kind of fun. Agreed. So, we're not done yet. Something I want to do before we pull the plug on this thing. Over the last year, we would have been completely unable to make it this far without the support of our many patrons on Patreon. And one of the things that we do is we occasionally read the names of those people who donate 10 or more bucks a month. Now we're going to pull the plug on our Patreon page as of, you know, sometime sometime this month. month. So you're not going to get soaked for money from us anymore, but we do want to extend our appreciation and heartfelt thanks to anybody who's donated at any amount and for any length of time. But we are going to read the names of some people who have been supporting us at a higher level. So, in first name alphabetical order, because that's how Patreon decided to give me this report, (laughs) I want to personally thank Alyssa Hernandez. Awesome. Thank you, Alyssa. Um, There's somebody who decided to pledge $9.99 a month. You know who you are. We know you did that just so we wouldn't read your name, Bethany. So we won't. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Colleen Coco. Thank you, Colleen. Aaron Myers and Aaron Steinhilber. Thanks to both Aarons. Aarons. One of the people with my favorite name, Heidi Pancake. Thank you, Heidi. You know who's coming up next? We get to the Jays, our very first patron. Jason Gardner. Jason Gardner. And imagine... Jordan George there too. Jordan George is right behind him. Yeah. Also Jennifer Briggs. Corey and Tia Vance pledged 10 bucks. Now that, that, that I'm not sure how I feel about that because they're getting a two for there. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean it's kind of like when when folks like usually it's like, you know, my parents' generation who have like a like Facebook account for two. You can do that? Well, you're not supposed to. But but people do. There's a few of them out there. Oh, weird. Some of my friends. Yeah. Anyway. I think, um, it's, I think it still counts. She quit giving us money, but she gave us a lot, and I'm going to name her name anyway. Laura Van Winkle. All right. Thanks, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Um, We got Laura Legler, Liz Large. Mark Alifans gave us a lousy buck a month. Uh, what's up with that guy? Nate Joma. Nicole Roberts, Ryan Vesey, Sean McGuire, 
who we had as a guest on an episode. Yeah. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate your Patreonage over the year. Almost said years. And the last person to make our list today was Tammy Kravitz. So thank you, thank Tammy. You, Tammy. Thank you to everybody. And thanks, everybody. It, it, you know, we're ending this. You know, we didn't make much money off of it. In fact, we lost we, money. We lost money and when you total it all up. But... Uh, we lost far less thanks to you guys. It's this group that kept us going as long as we did. Yeah. And we have deep appreciation for that because we did, notwithstanding the fact that we were stopping, have a lot of fun doing this and have a lot of fun getting to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And just for our Patreon supporters, we have one last Patreon-only episode. So I'm not. We're not asking for new people to jump onto Patreon just to to listen to it. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, but if we you didn't do it yet. You're screwed. Too you're bad. Too, too bad. late. Too late for you. But we are going to put that out there for everybody who uh, supports us on Patreon to show our appreciation. Excellent. And on that note, all good things must come to an end. That's all, folks. Au revoir. Auf Wiedersehen. Ciao. Ding dong day. I have been chosen. Farewell, my friend. I go on to a better place. <laughs> TTFN. Ta-ta for now. <laughs>